Yeah, I mean, it's uh, cringe-wise. Like, I, I place a lot of emphasis on on how the public sees Perla and 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 you know looks at our brand. Uh, you know, the the Coral Gables Farmers Market. <coughs> I, I, I will distinctly remember our first day there, where we had uh, we didn't beta test anything for uh, the generators that we need to run. We're right outside of Coral Gables City Hall. We've got a freaking, it sounds like a, a large uh, home <laughs> diesel generator for our one group espresso machine. And it's still shorting out the damn uh, generator. But like you said, those are the types of things that you look back on and you smile because you're like, you know, it seemed like a big deal at the time. I was also sweating profusely and, it, you know, <laughs> making coffee for people and, and trying to build the brand that way. But, you know, like I, I look back on those times and, you know, that was the first time that we met the executive chef at the Ritz-Carlton South Beach and started developing that. So that's uh, with with people perceiving and watching your brand, you never know who's watching you. Wow. And I wanted that to it start. Come on. I don't know. I wanted to. Oh, fuck me. We're going to let it play all the way through and then we're going to play it again. Production that's the kind of show, show this is, is really rough. Listen, we've come a long way. <laughs> we've come a very long way. We're keeping all this. This is all going in. All of this is going in. Oh, it's still going. Oh, yeah. No, it's still going. Yeah, it's happening. It's definitely setting the mood now. Here we go. (laughs) Now it's for real. Now it's for real? Now it's for real. This is super for real. Man, that sounds good. (laughs) Welcome to a new episode of Bang Kong Podcast. I am your technologically challenged Producer formerly known as Nick Jimenez, I am joined as ever by 8th grade basketball MVP, award-winning Santa Claus impersonating Elvis, or Elvis impersonating Santa Claus, excuse me, and also Chili Cook-Off champion, Michael Beltran. We are joined by special guest Chris Nolte of Perla Specialty Roasters. Did I say all that right? That's right. I'm good at my job. Um, And uh, you are now... Mike, correct me if I'm wrong on this. The exclusive coffee provider to Ariat Hospitality? Is that the thing? You can find Perla Coffee at every Ariat Hospitality Group location. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a big deal for us. And if we were like in a... Yeah, in different... People would be snapping, right? It depends. Shh. Oh. Snap. There it is. That's good. There we go. Yeah. I actually listened to the John Jay podcast. I thought you had a full studio audience in here. I know. Like, like, like an operating system. You had college. I mean, going John, John definitely draws a crowd. <laughs> Sadly, it was only Mario Obregon. But yeah, he does draw a crowd. Whatever works. Um, <laughs> speaking of the devil, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get used to all these new sound effects. There it is. It's definitely a new. It's a new thing that Nick apparently has spent weeks, weeks working on. I set all this up while you were walking here from wherever you came from. Oh yeah, from Taurus, huh? A whole like two minutes. That's crazy. That's the level of preparation. I, like, I fucking doubt that. But what's up, man? What's up? No, I'm I'm, I'm really uh, excited to be here. I was a Mike and uh, Mike Tea Time listener, Wolf. so. People so, listen to that. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. It's for crazy sure. how many people are always like, when are you going to bring back Tea Time with Mike and Mike? I was like, I don't have an extra six hours in my week <laughs> to do episodes of Tea Time with Mike and Mike. I, I, I will say that every episode had 
a few tidbits about specifically Miami hospitality that I thought was uh, always very interesting, and there were always things that uh, that were good takeaways. And and it's good to see the show evolve, and and obviously the budget increasing on the production side. You got a you know <laughs> research bu- research department and everything. It's really yeah, crazy. The budgeting here is huge. <laughs> yeah, Mike left me. People always like they want to talk about like why we don't do it anymore. Mike left me, and then we started this. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Mike fucking left me. I don't want to hear any more of his shit. Um, you lost Mike, but you got the soundboard. So uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which is equally as good in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe not as entertaining. Um, that's for sure. So I don't know where do we start. Fuck, it's been a week, man. When's the last time we recorded? Two weeks ago. Um. Yeah, at the event two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, the event. That event was great. That, you haven't released that pod yet, have you? We have, yeah. Oh, you have? You have, have you listened to that one? I have not, no. That was really good. That, um, um, I really feel like that was our most interesting live podcast that we've done. I think so, yeah. Just in the sense of like people not anticipating the how much they would enjoy the format and what to expect from that. So I, you haven't heard it. So the, the idea was we did a, uh, not the idea, what we did was a dinner over a live table read of the script of The Walls Have Ears by actors who are in that play, which is debuting this weekend that we're recording this. So it, it, their preview night is tomorrow, I believe. Oh, that's right. It's and then they're like actual opening night. I'm not clear on what the difference is between preview and opening night because it's not like a preview. The preview night. is like a party. They're yeah. going to do like a party and there's like an after party and there's right. things and people are like, oh, I'm here. That's the rest is like people that actually want to fucking go. Right. Sorry. I, pay, mean, pay sure. I mean, some people want to I'm go. I'm just being really pessimistic. Yeah. So anyway, but that's that's what we did. And then Q&A, uh, which was what we put out as a podcast. So mm-hmm. it was cool. I think a lot of people had never actually like, uh, including me, I had never actually been at a in-person live just script reading. I've been to a play, but I'd never done that. And so I think a lot of people... To me, what was most interesting was how many people seemed to go in, including Brittany Rothwell, uh, oh, yeah. who ran front of house for the dinner. She went in convinced it was going to suck. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and she came out of it like a lot of other people did, thinking it was pretty cool. So That's the, the key to happiness in life is how you manage your expectations. Right. So if you're expecting God, suck. do we ever well, set them low? Yeah, we set them <laughs> real fucking low. To the point that Brittany even followed up with Nick to have... Uh, one-on-one chat about Cuba after, right? Yeah, that's the second time we've done that. Yeah. Well, she got really interested, so that's good. She watched documentaries and stuff. That's right. I recommended one. I'll, I'll, it'll be my parting recommendation. No, oh, yeah? Sure. That's cool. I think it's whatever gets people down the, down the path and yeah, opens the door a little bit. Yeah. I got to say, so I've uh, enjoyed Perla Coffee for years, and this is like a really long relationship it's been a courtship between you and i <laughs> it's been a solid courtship it has yeah um you know like when uh when we first became friends um we were already using another coffee brand right. and you know i'm a pretty loyal guy so we stuck with them and that they're good too and there's nothing wrong with them i think they do really good stuff i think um what really always attracted me to what you guys do is one you're both really solid humans. I think that that matters a lot when it comes to like how you want to do business with people. Thank and, you. Um, you know, like you are the captain of the check-in. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah, sure. every three months, hey, how are you? Yeah, that dolphin game sucked. I'm like, all right, you want to talk coffee or what? <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> Sometimes I just want to talk dolphin. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. 
I mean, no one wants to go through the misery trail of being a Dolphin fan. Let's yeah. be honest here. Um, sure. But, you know, I, I really respect your business acumen, your thought process, and I think the way that you guys built your business and the fact that you're, like, very central Miami was always great, and also the product that you guys serve is great. For sure. So, Thank you. You know, as a company, we changed over probably two months ago, maybe more. Yeah, I think it's been right around two months. Yeah, <clears throat> and it's been a swimming change. I think people have enjoyed it. It's been um, very a very easy change because it's not like you're going from, like, um, you know, one well-known coffee roaster to, like, Hylia Coffee Anonymous. Right, You're going right. from, like, one well-known coffee roaster to just a well-known local coffee roaster. So I think that was really cool, and, you know, people have really appreciated it. Um, so that's great. That's, no. like, it's a testament to we sell a lot of coffee. I mean, Chugs sure. yep. sells a lot of coffee. Definitely. So uh, it's definitely a testament to the work that you guys do. Thanks to our sponsor, Aganorsa Leaf Cigars. Aganorsa Leaf is renowned throughout the world for its signature flavor that possesses all the great attributes of Nicaraguan terroir, along with classic Cuban aroma and flavor. Aganorsa Leaf is pleased to announce a brand new edition of Guardian of the Farm, Cerberus. Named after the mythical three-headed hound that stood watch at the gates of Hades, this exciting new Nicaraguan puro uses 100% Aganorsa leaf tobacco and is wrapped in Aganorsa's new Corojo 2012 cover leaf, which adds a level of complexity to the blend, adding light spice and a rich, smooth body to the blend. When you smoke one of our world-class blends, you will experience the difference between ordinary tobacco and Aganorsa leaf. That's why we say... Our leaf is our strength. Learn more about Aganorsa Leaf and use their store locator and find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at www.aganorsaleaf.com. The two of us smoke Aganorsa Leaf cigars often. We also offer them to a lot of our guests, like, for example, Dave Arvello, who every time I post a picture of a, a Cerberus mentions to me in my DMs or in a text how cool the band is, which it actually is a pretty slick-looking band. Um, but also... I just want to note a little personal anecdote here so it's not all totally straight up red. I can say that uh, Michael Beltran will absolutely not only vouch for the quality of Aganorsa cigars, yeah. but you met a uh, Miami legend and handed him an Aganorsa cigar. I did meet uh, uh, a Miami legend. I was smoking nearby Alonzo Morning, and we had a conversation about cigars, and he handed me one of his, and I went inside. I bought this exact same cigar, and I handed Alonzo Morning. This Aganorsa cigar, and I said, try this. Thank me later. I mean, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Aganorsaleaf.com. All right, you've heard us talking about the barrel here on Pancom Podcast before. It is a sleek barrel-style cooker with loads of capacity that represents a new way to grill. Gets you great results in a fraction of the time that it would take you to cook, let's say, a rack of ribs on an offset smoker. The legend of the barrel has only gotten greater. They're running around town winning cooking competitions left and right, including taking first place at FIU's North Miami Brewfest for best eatery. They're not even an eatery, people. No, they're not. I'm not saying they could hang with Nick making omelets in the morning, but it's still pretty impressive. Some South Florida chefs have even started to use the barrel in their restaurants. That's fucking wild. 
If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for your backyard. Trust me. You can get yours at BarrelTheBBQ.com. Use promo code PANGKONG10. That's PANGKONG10 for 10% off of your purchase. The barrel is a hand-welded barrel-style cooker with a chimney at the center of its base and a rail that runs along the circumference at the top. So you can hang ribs, pork belly, whole chicken, salmon, cheeses, dips, sauces, and all manner of other stuff along the edge. Whatever you want. Alternatively, use the grill rack up top to sear meats or grill veggies directly over the coals. Use a pizza stone to cook your favorite pies. The versatility of the barrel is a thing to behold. <laughs> Mike, you've used the barrel. Tell the people about what you did with it. Yeah, my favorite thing with the barrel was actually the grill on top. You know, like yep. obviously you can cook all the meats underneath it, but the fact that you can cook, you know, some veggies on the side or, you know, if you want to cook cheese, I didn't use the pizza stone on top, but that's a very interesting idea. I think that the versatility of the product and the fact that you can cook a whole meal in one barrel you know, right. makes it pretty versatile. I mean, a whole bunch of meals. So when I, I had some people over for uh, one of those fight nights. Oh, the Epic house, Nick fight nights. One of those fight nights and uh, did a lot of chicharrón. So I just lined pretty much the whole edge of the barrel with Oof. with pork belly and had that be uh, an appetizer thing and also some ribs. How did that come out? Came out great. Yeah, I came love Came out that. great. I also had a, a past guest, Louis Estrada. Chef Louis Estrada was wow. there, was on hand to try yeah, the the chicharrón that I we love made. That. So and yeah, what, was, what were his, what was his feedback? He was a fan. He uh -huh. he was familiar with the barrel already. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen that um, chefs all over know about the barrel all the way to Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, all the way to Brooklyn. Again, barrel the BBQ promo code Pangong ten to get ten percent off of your order. Tell the people barrel the BBQ Pangong ten. Barrel the barrel the BBQ dot com dot com. Pan con ten. That means for some wild reason you will get 10% off your purchase when you go to buy, buy the barrel. That's right. For all of your needs. That's right. And you want to get all the accessories too. All Get all the accessories. All of them. Good stuff. Introducing the newest line from Jura State Cigars. 20 Acre Farm is a complex, refined, and medium body cigar with a super oaky and cedary notes accompanied by a whisper of white pepper and a bright hint of citrus. Built at La Gran Fabrica, Drew Estate in Nicaragua using a velvety, and I mean velvety, Ecuadorian Connecticut shade grown wrapper. Under that wrapper is a sun-grown Habano binder and a filler blend of Nicaraguan tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa in perfect balance with the opulent and majestic Florida sun-grown leaf. Florida Sun Grown is also the name of the farm where that tobacco is lovingly grown and harvested by Jeff Borshowitz, who's the guy you see in his video playing behind us, uh, on his pristine 20-acre plot of land near the central Florida town of Claremont. I have actually been to that farm, along with plenty of other cigar tobacco farms in Mexico, Central America, and the Dominican Republic. And what Jeff, who, by the way, is a very nice guy, there's actually a cigar box signed by Jeff hanging on my wall. Uh, what Jeff is doing there is super legit. Uh, so it's always cool to see products like his, which is the only premium cigar tobacco grown in Florida um, in products from a company like Drew Estate. Plus, 20 Acre Farm being a Drew Estate product means it's the creation of Master Blender and Pancom podcast guest, Willie Herrera. Support our guests and sponsors. Get it online 
Ask your local cigar shop about 20 Acre Farm by Drew Estate. Learn more about Drew Estate and use their store locator to find a cigar shop near you that carries their products at DrewEstate.com. That's right. I'm probably going to smoke one of those right now. I, what are we waiting for? What I'm interested in is how you got to coffee. Sure. What got you there? Yeah, it's... Um to me, the story of Perla starts um, freshman year at the University of Miami when um, when Paul and I met. And, um, you know, I, I think through life, it's always funny where you cross paths with, paths with people and, and you build connections with people that may be completely relevant or completely irrelevant at the time. And, and I think that, you know, as we went along and uh, through our college careers, we both went our different ways and I was always on the, you know, the, the, the business, the sales side of things. Um, you know, kind of like the big picture stuff, and and Paul went the coffee routes, uh, the sourcing, the the roasting, and and the, the farming piece of it too. So, um, you know, that it, it really Perla started really probably about eight years ago, um, March of uh, of twenty thirteen. No, no, it would have been uh, 20, 2017, 20, 2016, around there, uh, where he sent me a, a text on my birthday, and at the time we were. Uh, I was in medical sales, and he was um, in uh, in Kona, Hawaii, managing coffee farms there. So medical sales, yeah, yeah, that so, doesn't sound fun. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, when you say medical sales, explain what that means. <clears throat> so the company I worked for, we um, we sold surgical products, we sold ah. things in the ICU. So the things that they use to be successful. Yes. Got it. Yes. Got yes, it. Yes, exactly. So I, I liked it because you were dealing with a lot of different call points and, and um, they were the best products on the market. So you could actually see that the, the outcomes whenever these products went into a Baptist hospital, a Mercy hospital, were much better than what they were using before. So cool. the, the, there was an inherent um, reward with just having a product that, that legitimately help people. Yeah. But at the same time, unless you're having a baby, a hospital is not really a nice place to be in. Agreed. And so, um, so yeah, th- th- there was a, just like an overwhelming sadness that you, that was just a part of the job that you, you kind of yeah. had to deal with. So, um, but also, um, it's very high level, very competitive. And so to me, it, it really helped to, um, develop that entrepreneurial self-starter type approach. That's really important for, having your own business. And so, so I look at that as like the foundation of, of like the sales and vision side of Perla. And then, and then Paul able to bring the operations and the the sourcing and the roasting piece. So it was a good fusion, a good blend of personalities. And so, yeah, we started probably around the same time that you did. Yeah. um, Seven, seven years ago. And um, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, and we started very organically at the, the Coral Gables farmer's market. I mean, that was bought a roaster we had essentially no customers and um that was really eye-opening because i I tell people when they're writing their business plan you put so much time and effort and everything into it you open the doors and nobody knows who the hell you are yeah whether that's a restaurant whether that's a coffee roaster whether that's a, a donut shop whatever and so that's uh it's really eye opening because you have to be the one to go out there and make your own own luck really so well i mean it's like uh you have to be willing to build a community around you because it's not like you have a dude there's so many people that don't care about coffee right they just drink coffee right you know like and i get it 
you know, you just drink coffee to get through the day. For sure. So it's like getting the people that really appreciate coffee on right. the level that you guys do it, it takes time. It's right. the same thing with food. It's like, you know, you can come out the gate and say like, you know, we're the best fine dining restaurant in the world, but no one knows the fuck you are, then right. they're not going to give a fuck. Like, exactly. You have to build a community around yourself. So, you know, seven years is, it feels like when you say seven, it's, ah, it's not that long. It feels like nine million years. Right, right, exactly. Because it takes like fucking seven years feels at least like 20. Because you've built that community, then you like really start to like mold. At that point, once you have like a name, you could start to fuck with stuff and you could start to like push people and into different directions that they thought that maybe they weren't about and then they start to love it and they start to come back and so on and so forth. So it's like when you look back at seven years, I... I would probably assume that it's like, man, it's a pretty beautiful process. For sure. For you sure. Know? So, yeah, I, I think to me, it's, um, I always tell people our biggest competition is bad coffee. It's not the other specialty roaster across town or, or even the big ones nationally. They're not even a drop in the bucket when you're talking about um, the large multinationals, the Italian roasters. That's our main comp- competition because. Maxwell House. Uh, yeah, Maxwell House, um, some other larger Italian ones that sponsor lots of different things. And so. Um, <laughs> To, to me, it's it's uh, it's really empowering too. It's scary because obviously they've got unlimited budgets to do whatever they want. But we can move faster. We have a better product, and um, the biggest compliment that we get is you ruined my perception of coffee. Mm-hmm. So you had someone that was drinking Starbucks only for years, and you're like, oh wow, this is better. You know, like the, the sourcing is better, the roasting is better, it's it's fresher. Um, and so I, I think it's such a uh, you know, it's, 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 you're converting people, you know, and, and once you convert them, it's, it's tough to get them to go I mean, back, what, you know? what those people always, well, I mean, there's a good chance they'll always have that over people like us is ease, right? They're right. like in every fucking corner. Right. It's crazy. Like there's a Starbucks legit in every corner. Like I would say there's got to be more Starbucks than McDonald's. For sure. It's fucking wild. Right. Like there's a McDonald's every time you turn around, there's a new one. Yep. So it's like, it's ease for them because people see it and it's like, all right, cool, I just need coffee. And then they slam it with a fuck ton of sugar and like it doesn't matter. Right, at that point. right, so exactly. Like, they don't care about the coffee. They just care about like the fix they're getting at the moment. So think so, about how much milk Starbucks sells. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you're using the same amount of coffee for these large 24-ounce big gulp size coffees and they just add more milk. So, I mean, it's just it's kind of, kind of gross when you think about it. Yeah, well, you know, we'll get into that part. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> so that year one, what were some of the, um, I would say, some of the turning points or biggest hurdles or like memories that you remember, whether good or bad, from that first twelve months? Um, I mean, Miami permitting was. Uh, they were actually surprised whenever we came to Miami, uh, Dade County, to get permits prior to actually opening, and and so that was something where. Um, where it was just, you know, they were shocked where you're not roasting coffee yet. And it's like, no, I thought we had to get the permit before we started. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks for doing that. (laughs) Um, And so so that was very eye-opening because we had a roaster that was sitting in a warehouse that was not connected, not on, nothing. And so um, it was frustration. But, um, you know, lots of of good memories from, you know, looking back uh, on just, just how... I'm gonna say innocence the wrong word but it's just it's it's very like basic like I have my sketchbook and I wanted the bags to look like this and I would work with my my wife to put together the logo and the name and the brand you know so I, I love that creative part because 
you basically take something that's an idea and then you bring it to life. And so it's pretty beautiful, right? Yeah. Like when you have this idea and then you see it come to like fruition, you're like, man, like we did that. Right. Right. There's so much like I love the creative process and it's like whether good or bad, it's like gut wrenching at times. But it's like, man, when you see it, like when it becomes this. Right. No, like now, like you guys have a fuck ton of these things. Yeah. Like at the beginning, it was like probably was like, wow. Yeah. No, it's true. What um, how did the name come about? We wanted a name that was uh, conveyed a, a familiar sense of luxury that felt high end that was um, that could be tied together also in the packaging. So um, we just wanted something that was um, that could fit a lot, and with a lot of different partners. We 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 knew we wanted to be really heavy on the the wholesale side, not big into the coffee shops, and so um, so yeah, that that was our opportunity to really. Um, understand how the brand needs to speak for itself, even if it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. So, mm. um, so yeah, that 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 to me is is uh, where we came up with that. And we didn't we had we had big aspirations, so we didn't want it to be Miami Coffee Roasters. We wanted it to be something that that could right. translate and something that could be like understood nationally. Yeah, um, I have a, a just quick one because you mentioned the name being uh, reflected in the packaging. Are you referring to like the color and the gloss? Yeah, yeah, like the pearlescent. Yeah. Can you just because I'm curious from like that branding standpoint, talk about like the progress? I'm wondering like were there other names that they look at a black one and think like that looks like this other item? Like what were some of the the names that got knocked out given that that was part of the process? Um, I, I we looked at um, we thought about like Gables Coffee Roasters because we wanted it to have uh, you know we we were thinking about Deco which. Um, you know, which, which we obviously didn't choose. And, and so we wanted a few of those, but yeah, it, it's, um, something that, that did feel high end that could be tied yeah. around and, and, uh, yeah, the bag design was all, um, all part of that and, and lots of artboards and kind of putting together looks and feels of, uh, packaging and how everything's going to tie together. Were there other like shiny objects though, that you thought like if we made it this other color, it could be, I don't know, like obsidian. I'm not saying you considered that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we've thought about that for other bag additions okay. to do. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause absolutely cool. this could, you could invert like a the Ruby colors. One and a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. I mean, our, our primary uh, brand is just nice and clean and, yeah. and a little bit of min- minimalist with some splashes of color, but yeah. And for people who aren't watching the video version of this, which you should on YouTube, and you can get there, youtube.com slash, uh, I think it's Dade Mag <laughs> something. Uh, the, the bag is <laughs> like... .edu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bag is sort of like a pearl white, and, mm-hmm. and it's a glossy. So it, it really does look like a pearl finish. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's, I was just curious from that standpoint. No, of course. Yeah. And I know a lot, a lot of people listen to this. Like, some of their feedback is like, oh, it's, I want to start my own thing. It's cool to hear. And that's one of the things that, like, gets a lot of people stuck. It's like, what do I call this thing I'm doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's you're never going to have complete affirmation that it's right. And, and you, that's the ego that goes into starting a business is necessary because if you don't have that ego, then you're not going to make it very far. So, so yeah, I, I think you have to have that, that um, approach of, it's Perla, and if you don't like it, then we're going to roll with it because 95% of the people do. So, yeah, that's, that's, uh, but yeah, you're right. It is a risk, you know, like that, that it's never like that, that full feeling that it's right, you know. In the first 12 months, how often did you and Paul disagree? Uh, very, um, very rarely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, we, we had pretty clear um, lanes that we focus on. And um, in terms of the uh, the sales vision, like overall brand direction, like I basically have the full um, ability to to determine where we go. 
And same thing with the coffee on, on his side where he has full ability to, um, to build a portfolio. But I, w I will say our portfolio has evolved over the years based on customer feedback and, and especially like with our core espresso blend, that was two, three years of um, working with hotels, restaurants saying like, can it taste more like chocolate, a little bit less acidity, better with milk? And, and so that's, we fall into those iterations a little bit more, but that's also because we're listening and, and I think that that's, um, I, I look at it as an evolution rather than just a, 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 a consistent product that's over the years just stays the same. So. I mean, I think that's good and special, like having, you know, partners that <clears throat> understand their lane and respect each other's lane. I think it's like usually often the biggest downfall of a partnership, right? It's like you don't respect what people do and then you don't respect what I do. And then that's when they start to clash and it starts to go to fucking shit. Right, right. Real fast. So from year one to three, well, I would ask in seven years, what was the biggest jump in those seven years? Um, we, I would say early 2020, we were primed to have a massive year. Um, we yeah. were in the process of opening our, our UK facility um, and it basically got put all on hold, which, you know, I'm not telling anything new to anybody listening to this that's, that's in hospitality, but, um, you know, it was definitely an eye-opening eye-opening experience where you go from you know one day in february 2020 was our by far our best month we've ever had re revenue wise and then and then it, it just <laughs> you see the graph uh go down to the bottom so is it like march the 14th or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just for two weeks guys we'll just <laughs> just just be there for two weeks yeah just uh, a little vacation right right yeah. just a vacation just you know do listen yoga. we're still better off than a lot of the people yes yeah no absolutely absolutely and and i mean that was that was an opportunity also to kind of recalibrate and rethink things and and really make you appreciate hospitality to me like there's there's nothing like going to a restaurant on a friday night and it's full and the energy and the the service is spot on and and it's just a uh, it, it's it's harmony you know mm -hmm. and um i i think that that was something when you pull away from something and and you have to think creatively and and it makes you really long for that and, and it's uh it really affirms that that's the place you want to be in, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've said this story like countless times, but like obviously when the world closed, you know, I felt like I worked harder to understand like how could we be better at this? Because like obviously we're not going to be doing what we regularly do on a daily basis and we never closed. Right. So like, okay, so it gave us an opportunity to recalibrate and like rethink and then obviously like the product that we have today is better than the product that we had at the beginning of 2020. For sure. So it's like, you know, it was obviously a lot of bad, some good, but it was the same, you know, like ending of February, I was like, man, finally we might, we may fucking make it. Right. Like, this is fucking great for all of our properties. And then it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you don't have a sound effect for that? Satin, yeah. just like a sad trombone, too. I mean, we, we have a sad trombone. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really knock the same as just like something blowing up, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's good. That's good. It was the initial press conference and then the just continuous. Yeah. So, the, uh, so like post 2020, 2021, two and three, what are some of the things that uh, I think, I mean, I know what you guys have improved since then like i mean you guys are pretty much your own person now as before you were distributing through someone else yeah yeah um 
like what are some of the bigger takeaways that you think that you guys have grown from in the last 23 years? I mean, two, uh, two to three years. Yeah, I, I think um, nobody's ever going to treat your brand as well as you do. And you have to be the guardian, guardian of that. And, um, you know, in the case of distributors, uh, we use them sometimes, but there's other times where, uh, where we don't. And, and so we got wise to not necessarily trust other people with your brand because there's nobody that's ever going to be a better advocate for that brand than you are. And for so, sure. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, on the coffee side of the distribution piece of it, that that's really where uh, the big brands squeeze out the small guys. And so, you know, they'll go to a large property, a large hotel and say, like, look, we'll give you $50,000 of equipment as long as you use our stuff. Right. And so that's uh, to a small business, you know, that, that's a lot of capital to take on at the same time. Too much. yeah. And um, but that's the expectation that the market has. And so right or wrong, that's uh, those are the rules you have to play by. So I think it's interesting, right? Because like when when I look at um, just talking about like the way that you treat your brand and the way you should treat your like for us, the way we treat brands, you know, like I have no problem um, pushing a coffee brand because like obviously we've gotten behind you guys and before our, our previous coffee roaster like as you know as a company and, and we put them on the menu I feel like when you work with other things like booze it just feels like a little sleazier right like, yeah. like you know we want our name on the menu it's like well you know like you didn't have to ask for that you just got that because it's a company wide thing I feel like it's like you're almost like dealing with like a used car salesman, right? Like we want this and right. kind of like sweating and the, the comb overs happening and all that <laughs> stuff. And it's like, I feel like it's so much less genuine and just really just trying to like use your platform to continue to push theirs. Right. And it's not really a partnership, right? Like, you know, when, when we've talked plenty in the last like three years, three plus years now, um, and it's really like more of a true partnership. We want to provide great coffee. For sure. We want to buy great coffee. There's not several options for us to buy great coffee. Right. You know, like it's just, it's a little more like finite. Like there's like three options. Right. You know, that aren't really going to hit us over the head for like just weird shit. And I, I feel like when you're a small, almost, and I won't say like mom and pop because we're not quite that anymore. And I don't think you guys are quite that anymore either. The base of, of who we both are is still that. But it's it's just like a different like feeling, right? Like right. when you get bigger, you go to these bigger hotels and it's just like it's much. It feels like so kind of like sleazy and just like money oriented instead of like, cool. So we're partners now. You, you guys have good shit. We provide good shit so let's just like do this thing together right right it's very weird man and and i think that that's something where um i i agree with that and that's why i like your group because in terms of ages both seven years old makes a lot of sense and and it gives us credibility having a partnership with you guys and but also that relationship of knowing that if you guys are out like you get coffee the next day but i, I, I think it's was. it's twofolded right because like for me what was the thing that always attracted me to like what you guys did? Obviously you guys have good product, mm -hmm. but it's more like you're down the street, right? You're here, right? You know, like I'd much rather support like, I mean, you went to UM, right? You know, like, I mean, you're on bird road. I live on bird road. Yeah. So it's like, you're like down the street from me. And I find much more value in that, you know, and I've always told you that, 
like I find a lot of value in that. I'm also like incredibly loyal. Sure. You know, so it's hard for me to break my word ever. So it's like, you know, things like that. We're always like, you know, this is the better play. And I'll tell you honestly, from like our initial tastings, you know, the team wanted to go with you guys from the beginning. Right. The biggest problem was the distribution part of it. Right. Which is, I hated. Yeah. It's like sleazy. Yeah. That was like the sleazy <laughs> car salesman part that I fucking hated. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like, um, I, I do feel like it's a great relationship, partnership, you know, long term. And I think that um, Miami as a whole, I mean, like your coffee shop is down the street from my house. Sure. You know, it's like, it's really, it's one of those things that I think for you guys to represent Miami in the coffee world is cool. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I think elevating it more to, to, to have a more professional spin on it, too, because it's like, you know, Miami has a reputation for always not bringing their professionalism to the table. <laughs> right. And so that, that's always been something that, you know, I've lived here for 22 years now, and that's a, still a major point of frustration. And so that's, you know, you, you see it when you when you eat out, you see it when you go to the mall, you see it basically everywhere. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's having the opportunity to, to integrate that and, and work with brands that have that level of professionalism is... Um, but I also think that it's like the level of professionalism is also because like as as a whole, hospitality, food and beverage in Miami is super young. Right. And like what's it known for? Right. South Beach. Right. How's that going? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. Pretty yeah. bad. Pretty bad. So like the, the people that have really put Miami on the map have nothing to do with that right. at all whatsoever. And they're very good at their job. Right whether it comes to restaurants or small artisans or bakeries or whatever it may be, coffee roasters, like none of them have to do with that. Right. And as long as we continue to do what we do, right. Right. And approach things the way that we approach them, that conversation will change. Right. Over time. No, of course. Of you course. know, like we're not Vegas. Right. Right. Like Vegas is this grand neons everywhere. Like it's just like, South Beach is a really small footprint in all of Miami. Right. I mean, Miami's fucking massive. Sure. You know, and it's getting bigger every day because we keep pushing west. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, you guys keep doing what you're doing and, and us and so many other people that are in our atmosphere, like, we're just, that shit's going to change because they're going to get pushed out. Sure. No, of course. And, and and that's a question that I was I was thinking about that prior to this is that if you had to add one element to Miami hospitality to to, to lift it up more or, you know, give it a jolt, what would you add to it? I think we're living it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think we're living it. I think that, like, I don't need to add anything. I think people need to keep on doing what they're doing. Right. Because, like, what has always separated, um, you know, good like just a whatever food city transient tourist trap to like really great like food destinations is smaller market people doing really special shit and continuing to do so just sure. keeping like pushing on like <clears throat> the fact that there are chefs that own their own places and that they dictate term and they do their thing and you know like uh, there's so many the Pablo Zitzmans of the world what the kids at Boya they do like those kind of things are going to continue to make Miami special, like bakeries, what Zach does, mm -hmm. what Caracas Bakery is doing, what so many people are doing. It's just continuing to push it along. Right. So I don't think that we need to change much. I think we just need to continue doing what we're doing. I think in a lot of ways, if we continue doing what we're doing, it's like um, 
but it's the quote I tell all my teams all the time. It's like, be so good that they can't ignore you. Right. Right. The like bare bones Miami hospitality groups, whether it's coffee or bakeries or restaurants, or whatever it is, they're all really good. Just keep on being really fucking good. Right. Right. So like that way we can drown the carbones of the world out. Yeah. Right. And we continue to drown them out. Right. And we continue to push along, you know, and that's what will continue to put us like make a special. And I, I think furthermore, like the guest needs to and they do. Right. Like all those places are busy. Right. Like, you know, people go to those restaurants. Sure. Right? Sure. But it's also valuing the restaurants that have been there for a very long time. Right. And, you know, I make it a point that I, like a lot of my week when I go out dining um, is in, I love how he, he tops went off like really high. <laughs> this Niall knows Thank me you. super well. <laughs> um, when I go to some of these places that have been there for like 30 years, right? Pamela's restaurant, it's a Chilean restaurant that's been there for I've 35 there years. Many times. Yeah. You know, like I went there on a Tuesday, slammed. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you go to Matsudi on a fucking Sunday at five, right. you have to wait 30 minutes for a table. It's like, crazy. Our betters on a Tuesday afternoon, you're going to have to wait in line. Like, shit like that really matters. And, and I think that that's like the non-sexy, true answer for whenever you, you're, you're mentoring someone, you're talking to a new <clears throat> entrepreneur, a new chef. It's not sexy, you know, because they see, I mean, in business, they see the exit that, uh, you know, they, they were in business for three years and they sold for a billion dollars. And it's like, for right. every one of those, there's a thousand dudes that are just doing the same thing correctly for 20 plus years and making something out of it. It's super funny, like, um, uh, just random, real random question was asked to me and one of my partners, like, how much would it take to like buy your hospitality company? I was like, you don't have enough money. Right, right. You don't have enough money. And I was like, oh, really? I'm like, oh yeah, because this isn't about the money. Right, right. It's not about the money for me. It's like, yeah, would that make my life easier? Sure. But then tomorrow I'd be super fucking depressed, <laughs> right? Because I just gave you all the work that I've been working for for 18 years. And on top of the fact, I love this shit. Right, right. Exactly. It's, about, it's about how much I love it. It's not about how much money we make from right, it. Right, right. You know, like, it's, we didn't build a concept to turn it out and have five locations and sell it. Right. We built a concept and concepts to help, in my mind, a city that I love very much. For sure. And to, like... I'd just be like tired of the shit that Miami doesn't have good food. Right. Right. Like, or that we don't have artisans or we don't have people that specialize in a thing. Cause we have like a lot of great of everything. Right. But people just don't want to notice. Right. You know, it's like, cause they want to talk about like South beach. They want to talk about shit that doesn't matter. So I don't know. <clears throat> it's a, it's a really like the new entrepreneur, the new restaurant owner, the new like business owner, Obviously, they're super money focused, right? Because you got to keep the lights on. Sure, but you should never like sacrifice who you are to keep the lights on. Of course, yeah. I, th I think that that's um, running a business is too painful not to to love it. I mean, it's it's just I it's it's a continual roller What's the most painful ride. part for you? Losing accounts. Oh, oh yeah, easily. Yeesh, easily, and it it happens very very rarely. So, but I can tell you basically like. In seven years, we've we've lost three or four like larger accounts. Not a bad batting average. What's a large account for you? How many pounds a week? <clears throat> Two hundred plus. Oh, that's big. Yeah, yeah, that's big. But those it, are hotels, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's more the fact of um, I, 
I expect to win. I don't expect to lose. And and you know, you it's, play to win. Play to the win game. the game. <laughs> and and I think it. I forget. I don't know if it's Pat Riley, but he says um, losing hurts so much more than winning feels good. Oh and yeah. It's it's Fuck. just it's so it's it's so painful. But mm-hmm. uh, but no, I, I think that that's something where it's like, all right, well, since you control the business, like just wake up tomorrow and go out and sell more coffee and build more relationships and go out and get it. So. Um, you know, for for every time that that happens, a lot of it is tied to staff turnover, and so your opportunity may be eighteen months from now when staff turns over again. So it's a plus and a minus, but but yeah, by far that's the thing that that keeps me up at night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think like the our businesses are different. Like the hardest thing for me has been to train people to understand like how how much it matters. Right. You know like it matters a lot to me. Right. But it's never going to matter as much to me as it does to other people. But to get them to understand like the the craftsmanship of what we do, right. like how important that is to n- not just now for the rest of your life. Sure. Like how important that shit is forever. Like if you're planning to do this shit forever, like it's important now and forever. Right. Right. So to get them to understand like how important it is, like simple things is probably one of the more painful things. Like, you know, like uh, we've changed a lot in seven years, like losing a guest over changes, you know, it happens. Right. We, we evolve just like every human evolves. And, and I, th- I think that's like expected. Um, but the painful thing is trying to get people to understand like this shit will matter to you forever. For sure. You know, like the way you season a piece of steak is going to be the way you season a piece of steak for the next 20 years. Right. So Learn it right the first way. Yeah. Right. So it, it's like those are the more painful things for me. It's. Uh, well, what about, so rewinding seven years, where was your expectation to where you'd be now compared to where you are now? Because, I mean, it's like from the outside looking in, super impressive. I mean, I, I you know, you've got. 200 plus people that work for you 247 that's crazy that's yeah. awesome i mean that's i guess it's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> scary shit yeah <laughs> but that's like that constant cycle of paranoia that's that's also gasoline and the so yeah. so i mean what, what was your expectation when you you started out and how does it stack up to where you are now i i can speak 1000 percent for the space that we're sitting in like the day Ariette opened, I knew it couldn't open the way that I wanted it to. And I also wasn't ready for it to open up to all the dreams and thoughts that I had. Because right. I wasn't ready. Right. Right. Who we are today is much more of who I wanted us to be. Okay. Um, what we execute today, what we mean today, the kind of food that we do, the style of service that we have. Like that was all what I would have loved to done to have done like year one, but one, I had no money. Right. Two, I was not ready for that. And three, Why were you ready? I mean, you know, as you know, ego is a thing, right? At 29, I was like, yeah, for sure. I got this for right. sure. I'm super good. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you start getting into these meetings and shit and you're like sitting there and it's like, yeah, no, for sure. And you're like, what the fuck did we just talk about? <laughs> you know, and from the service side too, like I, I had no idea. Right. I give all the credit in the world to people like uh, Brittany Rothwell and Georgia and Andrew McCutcheon and people that we've added to our team that are really fucking good at their job. Right. Um, 
so like just understanding where I was at. But what I was good at was building a community right. and being a part of the community. And also in that, that place that you're one, I still had a really hard time figuring out like who I was as a chef too. Right. Like the kind of food that I thought was super meaningful. Right. It, it only came uh, when we were about to close. And I was like, fuck it. We're just like, we're going to go for the mattresses and we're going to say, fuck it. Yeah. And it was okay. Um, now the a way bit better than okay though. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. we still we still have a lot of growing to do and a lot of things to work on. But like, I think conceptually, like how all the concepts kind of came about was, you know, if you're a creative, it's like, so you only have twenty two menu items, right? You need more. You need to like be able to do more, be able to flex in different places, like. I love like incredibly simple food. You can't do that here. Right. So that's kind of like how the evolution of the company happened. And also having partners that are super willing to fight it out with me, right. which is not common. You know, saying like, this shit's not going to be easy. If you guys want to do it, I'm down. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, okay, it's going to hurt. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And you know, they feel it like it hurts, you know, but at the same time, they believe in like the overall long term. It's like the, the young business owner, restaurateur, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, um, it's you're not doing it for today. You're doing it for 10 years from now. Right. And I think a lot of people have a hard time because they, I mean, they need, they got to pay their bills today. For sure. You know, build yourself a life that you can pay your bills. You're not like, you're not crushing it every week. You're not like, you know, drinking $1,500 bottles of champagne, but you're happy, you're good, you're paying your bills, and you're still doing the thing that fulfills you. Right. Which is the biggest thing. Are you fulfilled? Right. You're not just slanging pizza because you think pizza is a good idea. So, you know, it's those kind of conversations, I think, are the hardest ones to have with people that are new to opening a business, a restaurant, or whatever it may be. And I, I think that sometimes those big dreams scare people and then also inspire people, number one. And then number two... To me, you have to have a bunch of cringe decisions, conversations where you look back and you're like, oh, shit, because that's just that shows self-evolution, you know, ability to critique yourself and say, man, that was probably not the best way to approach that. Or what, What's like a really good cringe moment for you? I remember for me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share first and then I'll. Yeah, uh, no, I remember. I remember like um, so it was like year maybe three and a half here and um fuck like you know we're just i'm just trying to make money right like i i opened up mondays we had been closed the first two years on mondays and i was like fuck it if i could do 1500 bucks on a monday that'll pay for x y and z i could work line with just me and one other person like cool that's great and then i had the same thought process about saturday brunch and um i remember that like at that time, I had like a whole frat working for me. <laughs> all like those kids, like an actual, like an actual frat. <laughs> like they were all in a frat together. And like their letters and, on, yeah, yeah. And they were all like really great kids, and they still come here now. And they're all like, you know, they whatever jobs they have degrees in. And um, they were a bunch of good kids, but they were kids, and they were like, you know, getting super fucked up till late. Imagine you're in college, you're working at a restaurant, you know, all these guys were like super charismatic and like really great dudes. And we're doing a Saturday brunch and Saturday brunch 
was like we would do like 10 covers every Saturday. Oh, wow. Like 10 covers, and then 10 would turn into 20, and the next week we would do 24, and then it was like 24, 24, and then it was like 30, and I was like, I can still do this by myself. I'm good. Right. And then we had one brunch that we like just ripped off like 90. <laughs> and I was by myself on the line, and I remember I had this uh, young... <laughs> he's still young and he still works in the industry uh, a food runner named Danny and I was like Danny I need you to come drop fries I need you to come do fries while I do everything else like I just I need to cook things and I need someone to just just drop fries for me and just put them in fucking in the tins he's like alright cool I got it and I remember cooking Benedict's or whatever and this is like super cringe and this kid is like super hungover we used to call him juice box because <laughs> his last because his last name was Hugo he's such a good <laughs> he's such a good kid too. juice box <laughs> and Drop I remember fries. he's like super hungover like he's just sweating yesterday's booze out of his like skin and um there's a table of like 12 ladies in front of me right in front of the kitchen right area it's an open kitchen there's right. just like whatever he drops <laughs> Half this tray of mimosas on this one lady. And I'm like, and I'm on the flat top and I'm picking up Benedict's and I hear it all behind me and I just like, fuck. It's like, what are you going to do at that point? Right? It's like, I'm just like, fuck. And I turn around and <laughs> Juice is looking at me and he's like, ah. he's like sweating. <laughs> and like, there's only like three flutes left on the tray <laughs> they slowly fall off as he's <laughs> as he's losing it and i'm like i'm just like i'm so angry but i can't be angry right right, right like i just right. can't be angry like i'm there's one cook on the line which is me i got an, i have my food runner dropping french fries and uh, breakfast potatoes for me and juice box that did close the night before then get hammered till five in the morning then showed up on time at nine to work brunch um, has now dropped, you know, seven or eight of the flutes on this one lady. And obviously she's irate. <laughs> and me, I'm like, well, all right. So <laughs> at least you're, you got 90 covers there. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> After that, we had more people on the floor and I had more cooks on the line. There but, we go. Um, Live and learn. That was a, a definitely a cringe moment. And, you know, what I, another thing that I, I can't explain to people enough is like, we grew a right. ton. Right. We're now a Michelin-starred property. You know, we have an incredible crew of people. The way that we operate is, like, fucking pretty intense from top to bottom, the way that we talk about food, the way that we approach service. But we grew from that moment. Right. Like, that moment, I'll never forget it. I was also sweating booze at that time. <laughs> so, you know, like... It's part I, of the reason you weren't mad at Juicebox. Right, like, uh, Juice is still a great kid. I love that kid. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, you have to live and you have to learn, man. Yeah. You have to live and you have to learn. And I, it was cringy at that moment. And it's like, I could also talk about area. It's like friends and family day, that shit. I've like blocked... You know, like, when you put things in boxes in your brain, you're like, I don't want to talk about right. that. <laughs> like that. It's for therapy 15 years from now. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or less, right. but, yeah, but it was like, <laughs> or tomorrow. Yeah, it was like um, th those kind of moments. That, that was one of my cringy moments because even on top of that, it was like I had a full frat working for me, and it, they were they're all great kids, man. 
Like they they still come around and I love seeing them. Um, but fuck, it was a time in my life that I was like, this is all I can afford. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, this it's is true. all I got. It's true. Yeah, and I think as you get older, you value maturity because you you know you, you learn that the male brain doesn't fully develop until 27, 28. and so you can't. I mean, you're literally talking to children or thirty seven, right? Or 38, right. Or, whatever. Or it's still a process. It's yeah. A process. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it makes you value that maturity piece. That's um, I mean, you can't ask a child to run, you know, a full restaurant and expect the results of adults doing the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, cringe-wise. Like, I, I place a lot of emphasis on on how the public sees Perla and 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 you know looks at our brand. Uh, you know, the the Coral Gables Farmers Market. <laughs> I, I will distinctly remember our first day there, where we had uh, we didn't beta test anything for uh, the generators that we need to run. And so I, I am still impressed that we were able to maintain a booth there because the generator we had to have for an espresso machine, even though it's a small one, I mean, you could hear that thing freaking 10 miles away. I love that. And so it's, it's you know, we're, we're right outside of Coral Gable City Hall. We've got a freaking, it sounds like a, a large uh, home <laughs> diesel generator for our one group espresso machine. And it's still shorting out the damn uh, generator. And so it's, it's just, it's... Uh, but, but like you said, those are the types of things that you look back on and you smile because you're like, you know, it seemed like a big deal at the time. I was also sweating profusely and, it, you know, <laughs> making coffee for people and, and trying to build the brand that way. But, you know, like I, I look back on those times and, you know, that was the first time that we met the executive chef at the Ritz-Carlton South Beach and started developing that. So that's uh, with with people perceiving and watching your brand, you never know who's watching you, and it's it's such people a people really respect that growth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They, they want to see the struggle. I know that that's something that that you and I have talked about. Where it's like, it, yes, you know, we could have uh, raised a bunch of capital and skipped a bunch of bases, but um, when you remove that struggle piece, uh, that 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 causes a brand to lose credibility. I think you know, like you see it in different elements of food and beverage and. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't have that story. And even when you're talking about large brands acquiring, because they try to create those brands from scratch, quote unquote, but right. it, it just doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the story. Like it doesn't have the same feel behind it. Has anyone tried to buy you? Uh, no, no. Oh yeah? No. And then what if that happened? Um... I'm a big fan of put him on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. No, I'm a big fan of um, you know what got you here won't get you there. The book. Um, I, I I don't know. I'd like to think that I can evolve as as an owner and and um, keep things uh, going. But you know, I have other passions and and I enjoy different things. And um, but I love Perla. I mean, like Perla's is is my baby. I mean, it's like blood, sweat, and tears. Um, and so so it's it's never to say never, but. If it's something that will help to continue um, the trajectory in terms of going after the large multinationals and the big guys and, and evolving coffee beyond of, oh, this is just some generic product that doesn't have traceability, that doesn't have um, freshness, that doesn't have uh, just intention behind it, then yes, I think that that may be an option where it's that's the baton that gets picked up and run with it. So. Um, you think you can grow to that level and keep the integrity that you have now? Yes. Yeah. Why? Um, because we thought about it from the very beginning in terms of scalability, sourcing, um, quality control. Yeah. So it's it's um, 
that was always front of mind whenever we were writing the business plan that but that's that's what we wanted to get to um right. but i i think that that's um a lot of things have to happen and and a lot of things have to happen correctly and i think we're on a good path but it has to continue and um what, what's your goal today right like seven years deep mm-hmm. like what is the thing that you focus on every day right now i mean other than quality product and so on and so forth what is the thing that's top of mind every day when you wake up continuing to get in front of the right people to to spread out and and uh amplify mm-hmm. yeah to me that's i best buy was my first job as soon as i got a my driver's license i applied for a job Which and started one? to bring uh in in uh cool springs uh tennessee so i grew up in nashville um so so yeah, that was my first job as soon as I hit 16, and I was selling uh, car audio equipment, which um, I was not a car audio type of kid. I would have been more appropriate in like the computer section. So, <laughs> but I was um, selling subwoofers and amplifiers. So it's listen. Uh, I worked at Sears one summer. Nice selling nice. lawnmowers. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to train in the morning, uh, and then three days a week, uh, I would work at Sears and then I worked at an Applebee's on the weekends. Nice. Yeah, it was weird times. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, but you, you wouldn't know what a zero turn radius was unless you worked at <laughs> Sears, so. Right. It's your, it's your main well, takeaway, yeah. Huh? A walk behind lawnmower. I mean, come on. That's uh, like how many passes can I do with this bagger? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, just buy it. And I'm like, <sighs> I mean, I'm in college at the time and I'm like hungover. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> Tim, can you come? I was I don't even know. But it was uh, Tim to the courtesy phone. <laughs> right. This guy wants to buy another mower. What's going on here? Oh, man. Talk about like interesting times. That, I mean, honestly, at that time, though, was when I, I really gained my love for hospitality, period. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's. Um, so in the Applebee's, you mean? Or, or yeah. Yeah. Just like the restaurant world in general, like that shit, like that movie shenanigans or what is it? What's it called? Uh, waiting. Yeah. Waiting. Like, man, that movie was real. Right, right. <laughs> like fucking hey when i worked at that applebee's like it felt when i watched the movie waiting i was like this is kind of super spot on yeah go yeah. ahead no i was i was just thinking like especially being at an applebee's like it's it's in that genre of super restaurant. super right. in the genre i remember showing up it's to like be, applebee's friday's fusion yeah to be like a morning server on a sunday you know how many times people ask me if i had been saved by jesus our lord jesus christ on a sunday morning at oh, applebee's shit. oh my god and then not tip me <laughs> well they didn't the say they were going to save you right yeah like they they not tip me and it's like son have you been saved i'm like oh so many times <laughs> so many times so many times, so many times. Um, um tax right. deductible donation will uh yeah be added to that tip line right there yeah i mean danville virginia is an interesting place yeah. you grew up in nashville yeah yeah born in arkansas grew up in nashville oh arkansas huh yeah. how was that uh arkansas just the whole thing growing up in like the middle of america um, Arkansas, look, my, my, my great grandparents came from Germany, um, in 1926. And so that was, there was, a there was a, an all boys Catholic school that they had connections there in the middle of, uh, of Arkansas. And so Subiaco, Arkansas was really where the Nolte family uh, came to. And then, um, uh, eventually, we moved to Fort Smith, Arkansas, which was kind of at the corner, uh, right on the border of Oklahoma. So that's where I was born, and that's where my parents met. But 
thankfully, my dad uh, dad got a promotion and a job over in Nashville, and that that's what brought us over there. And it's um, it's really crazy to see the 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 growth trajectory of that city, and and you know the the city that that I remember from when I got there at four to what it is now, which is just a really very much a center of uh, culture and and food and obviously music. And so, you know, going back to the the hospitality piece, like my first. Uh, foray there was the these large music festivals and so i had a uh, a high school classmate that his dad had a gigantic catering company and all of these concerts would be put on by by tom katz catering and so we would uh, all the high school kids would be there either uh selling soda if you're below 18 and or you were selling a Jack Daniels country cocktails. If you were over the age of eighteen, and what so, is a Jack Daniels country cocktail? The, the 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 straightest way to get a hangover when you uh, <laughs> when you're eighteen years old. Super into this. It's so delicious. Yeah, you're like cool. Just have have seven of them. And just, oh my god. Um, so it's. Um, I actually have never been to Nashville, and I've been dying to go. You have to go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been dying to go. Like it's just something that's on the list, and I just don't travel much. So. Yeah, I, I would definitely. Um, I would definitely go and and obviously you know see the main drag, but kind of what we're talking about with with South Beach, like everybody thinks Broadway, Second Avenue, but there's a lot of uh, really interesting uh, talent that's been there for 20, 30 years. That's it's just like that in in every city where it's. I mean, that's like what I want. Yeah. When oh yeah. I, when I go somewhere, that's what I want. For sure. I don't want like what the tourists go to. Mm-hmm. I want to see like the. <coughs> I want the like the real thing that makes that has gotten the city to like where they're at. Right. And yeah, I'll go to like one or two of the mainstream things or whatever. And for sure, as you should, because it's uh, operationally like it's the amount of bottled beer that these things sell is insane. I mean, like twenty, thirty million dollars in revenue, and it's like eighty percent is bottled beer. It's really crazy. Really opposite from Miami. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for Miami's sure. It's not like a bottled beer. City. Not a bottled beer. Yeah. No, it's just not a thing. So, um, when did you move to Miami? To come to UM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. like, later, like, yeah. 18. Right. So, I lived in Nashville for 14 years, and it was either between um, Vanderbilt, uh, St. Louis University, or UM. And um, I came down here in it's probably March or February, and I was like, this is it. You know, like, I, I've... Just immediately, like the feeling and and uh, the connection, and I, I just love Miami. I mean, it's uh, the, the only two places I think I could ever live are, are here or Nashville. Like those are the two places. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm so uh, I, I love living here. I, I think that UM was such an interesting transitional period because it eases you into Miami, where I think a lot of people come down here and then they get overwhelmed. Um, and so I think that that for for me personally, it was a good four-year transition and, and helped me to get out and, you know, meet and, and kind of experience the city in bite-sized pieces rather than getting the whole tidal wave that washes over you, so. I mean, it's quick. If you just come here, like, not for school, it's like, yeah. there's, it's just a lot of shit. Right. Real fast. Right. And so, I, I think that that's, even when you're you're interviewing people, it's like, why are you here is a very valid question because if there's no family ties, if, you know, you don't understand the culture, it's really, really tough to get acclimated. And especially if you're coming from middle America, from the mm-hmm. South, it's culturally very different. And I say that, you know, my wife is 
born and raised in Venezuela, like came over oh, here yeah. when she was 18. So it's like fully, fully integrated. And um, it was like the opposite for me. So like I grew up born and raised here. And then when I moved to Virginia, it was like the opposite culture shock. Like, what imagine. the fuck <laughs> is happening here? It's like, I, I mean, I used to not be able to sleep because it was so quiet. Right. Right. I was like, why? I mean, I can hear everything. Right. What's happening? And then in Miami, like, it's obviously very noisy. And, like, it was, like, the opposite kind of culture shock. So I can see, you know, going from that to this, how easily it would be, like, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you lost a bunch of kids, uh, especially freshman, sophomore year. I mean, it's like they, they just couldn't handle it, you know? Like, um Typically, they were very uh, restricted in how they were, were raised. I mean, my college roommate, uh, freshman year, would come in consistently, like, wasted 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, like, 3 or 4 days a week from South Beach. And it's like, this guy was from very affluent family in Philadelphia. Dad was completely self-made. And then, like, at the end of the year, he's like, you're not coming back here. Like, you <laughs> clearly <laughs> just blew through a bunch of money. Um and it's like, on the flip side, I, I distinctly remember going out to South Beach for the first time, and I'm like, I ordered two drinks, and it's $100? Like, how does that even happen? You know, like, it's just, it's, it's just like a tale of two different uh, student groups, basically. So. so tell me, like, the, I mean, I, I always like to ask, the, in seven, I mean, seven years is pretty fast, what was the one turning point? I mean, obviously, like, no COVID gave you an opportunity to, like, recalibrate. Like, what was the turning point that you kind of saw the business kind of change? Um, when more and more people, especially here locally, South Florida area, started to know our name. And I think that that's... Um, what do you think caused that? Hustle, getting out there, trying to make as many connections as possible. I mean, because it's obviously we don't have a lot of like we have one coffee shop in Coral Gables. Um, you know, if we had 10, it would be probably a lot easier to, to build a brand that way. But that's not really uh, not really our business model or, or really of interest right now. So. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I, I refer to it as pollination where it's like you've got someone that's with this group and or with this hotel or with this this restaurant. And then they go somewhere else and they say, I love Perla at this place and I'm going to bring it here. And so. Um, I, I think it's uh, that to me is the thing that's most. It's still surprising where it's like, oh, I, you know, I, I was on a vacation the other day and I had a, the Perla hat on, and there was a guy who's like, I love that coffee, it's the best one, and you know, I introduced myself. He's like, oh shit, and so it's just it's still surreal. So it's, uh, I'm it's sure a, you feel it, the same with with you know, a hundred percent when you it's hear a, people talking about your brand about, just, about Bungum Podcast is what you're saying. <laughs> um, Mike and Mike. I mean, I, like, I'm always shocked when I go somewhere. Like, uh, usually uh, I'll wear an area shirt or whatever. And hold on, time out. Got to cut this part out. Yeah, chef. Man, tell Brittany she could do a call in. She just called me right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Britt. Bye. Yeah. Welcome. You're li you're live on Pankun Podcast. Oh, what do I owe this pleasure? <laughs> really, I, we're here talking with uh, Chris from Perla Coffee. Oh, 
What a gem. How's it going? <laughs> and I was telling Chris the story. Chris, of, we love you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. The studio audience. We are a better company because of you. Awesome. Wow. She's coming in hard with the compliments right now. That's hard to get. That's $100 for each compliment. You know, I mean. $100 discount. Got it. Make sure we tell David about that. No, I was telling. At 1040 on a Thursday, you'll catch me pretty loose. Nice. Okay. I was telling Chris the story of the first tasting that we did with them and how everybody in the room wanted to use Perla, correct or not? Yeah. Right. And it was because, I mean, so many things that like we talked about in the last hour or whatever, which is like, it's a very real company. It was very like, you guys were just convivial in like your delivery. It was an honest, just kind of like coffee thing. And that's why, like, for us as a company, we thought about, I mean, forever. I, I would say that in the last three years of using our previous roaster, Brittany was like, but what about Perla? Correct or not? Oh, for sure. I think I brought it up. I, I think that I wrote for Perla harder than anybody. <laughs> and it was more because I recognized something that I, I like, Chef, I just texted you about water, yes? <laughs> This is a very similar conversation to the yes. water that I just texted you about. And yeah. I said, like, I want to change water. And it was because I don't feel like the water that we have represents us at all. And it's not that I felt like the coffee didn't represent us, but here are two guys that are local that I think really cared about cultivating a connection and spoke for the community and developing relationships and also had a fucking outstanding product. And to me, those are people we should align with. So... Yeah, isn't, I mean, isn't it empowering I, I to, 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 to be Perla. to be heard as a, a team member? You know, when you're bringing that I mean, up to the she's she's oh. a big team member though. <laughs> she takes a large majority of the team membership, so her her opinion matters. And, like, and thank you very much for those compliments. I really appreciate it. I mean, oh, it, of course, I enjoyed that. And also, honestly, you guys were talking about what's it called, like uh, first growth or what's it called? <laughs> is that what is? <laughs> There's a I don't know. Something about coffee. Third world, first world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Third wave. First growth. Third wave. Third wave. We all know what that first growth is like. <laughs> first growth. You guys been getting loose over there. I don't even know where you're at. We're talking about gross and shit. <laughs> I'm at oh, El Vecino trying to open this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do it. Coming first soon. Growth. Coming soon. Hashtag coming soon. El Vecino <laughs> is coming. For the Nick's first growth podcast. is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Live band here too. It's it's crazy. I know. Pongo podcast has changed a bunch. I mean, but I, yeah, but I didn't understand a majority of that conversation. The thing that I bonded with the most was just how they both made us feel, which is like we had known them for a, a long time, and you know, like they had the same agenda as us for the community. It was like uh, more so in the fact. So, like, I didn't share all the meetings that we had with Brittany, but it was like, you know, Chris was like very much, he's like a solid three month check-in guy. He's like, Hey, how are you? How's coffee? How's life? But what I remember the most is like when we needed customer service, Chris was the first person to like jump up and say, I got you. Right. And I remember the conversation. Which also their timing was super crucial, right? Because anything more than that is annoying. 
Yeah. And anything less than that is like you don't give a fuck. Right. Right. I remember the conversation with George at like <laughs> seven fifteen in the morning on a Sunday. And it was like, Chef, we need coffee. And I'm like, fuck. Okay. Ah! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I, we need we need coffee. I'm like, all right, okay. So I was like, you know, where it was sad at the at the moment is like, where am I gonna get my best customer service? from someone that doesn't provide customer service for us on a daily basis. And you guys pulled through. And honestly, I think Georgia, which is probably with you, Britt, will agree that it was a, like, it was a savior at that moment. Yeah. And for like, I think it was like on a, actually, I think it was on a Saturday and then also on a Sunday. Yeah. yeah. It was and, on the 30th of uh, December. Cause I, <laughs> I, I was on vacation timing. in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the phone's ringing, and my wife's like, who's that? I'm like, it's Mike Beltran. So she said, you should pick up. And so, yeah, I did, and, and that's, yeah. He's like, can you get me five pounds of coffee? I'm like, we got you. So, yeah, Actually, no, but I actually need 15 pounds. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then, that was the second call. Can and we? then the next day, I was like, I actually need another 15 pounds of coffee. <laughs> All right, Britt, well, thank you so much for chiming in here on Pancom Podcast. Am you I are- the first? Second, you're the second. Mario oh, Obergon was the oh, first, oh, um, but you've been much more pleasant. Much better. And, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say so. Well, at the very least, I'm the most important. One. Yes, sure. at, without a fucking call. doubt. That's what, that's without a doubt. Where's the Mario noise? There it is. That's that's Mario right there. So, uh, all right, all Brit- right, you guys have fun, Nick. I'll just continue to work at El Vecino and. Do all the things we need. <laughs> you have fun. Okay. That's so good. <laughs> you, I love you do that. I'm, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Bye, some, guys. Waiting for some water great night. Thank you. to show up at my oh, house. Ta- hash, uh, shout out to the new Instagram handle of our executive, oh, yeah. Gibson. Uh, it's at a, a butt with ears. Yeah. Yeah, a butt with ears, but no keys. Apparently, Britt, do you want to plug your you, you want to plug your podcast while you're here? Oh yeah, plug it away. Oh yeah, so me and Georgia are starting a new podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no content yet. We're trying to figure out how to make it work without getting <laughs> without getting fired or canceled. So that's been quite difficult. Be more worried about part two called, of that. Yeah, it will be called for sure now. Uh, we've narrowed down a name that we really like, and it's called A Tale of Two Muffs. <laughs> love that. I love that. A Tale yep. of Two Muffs. A Tale of Two Muffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait we for can't the Instagram. We can't wait. There's going to be some good content. Do you need advertisers? Sure. Um, I think that's going to We just hung up on her. <laughs> <laughs> With a legit hang up. That's, I thought that was a mute. Or something now. That's no. ads at DaveMag.com. <laughs> oh man, that's such a good point to transition us out here. Like that was just like we've had a call in, we've hung up on people. So good. All uh, the, the non competes are going out tomorrow <laughs> for the legal right. department. Yeah. We've never signed any contracts for this po- for this podcast, no. so we're no, we're no. things are very loose around here. Yeah, man. And Morgan and Morgan's the next book guest. The, I, I actually, and I'll say it, you'll probably have to mute all this out, but the biggest okay. podcaster in the country is going to be on property on Friday. Oh, yeah? Biggest. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a scratch man. Yeah, he's a scratch guy. Yeah. It is what it is. 
Yeah, well, I mean, is Philip in town? I mean, I'm sure he will be because he's going to be here for sure. I mean, let's see if we can, you know, get him to... Nah. No, I'm not saying make it happen. I'm just saying drop a mention. I mean, you talk to Philip about that. I'm not going to talk to him. I'll talk to Philip. Ego any more than he needs it. No, you need to go. No, we're bleeping all, we're bleeping all of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rogan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the it's to me the biggest podcasters in the country are sitting right here. Absolutely. We are we Joe are Rogan, there. We've sure. said it a million times. He took all of our Spotify money. He did take all of our Spotify money. But That's the, why we're broke. The the Cliff Notes <laughs> version of it is that the I mean not the whole story but the story of Sushi by Scratch like blowing up was they leave L.A. when California pandemic restrictions are super restrictive. Right. And just sort of like, not randomly, but I guess they had a contact or something in Austin. So go to Austin, they set up, and they're just kind of going month to month in a sort of somewhat random space. Rogan goes, he tells them, you know, um, what he, he has a meal there, somewhat unannounced. Philip, the you know, chef owner, happens to be there. Uh, they strike up conversation. Rogan loves the whole meal thing. And he tells him, like, hey, you know, can I get a reservation for next month? And uh, Philip tells him, you know, we haven't opened up reservations. We don't know. We're, you know, we don't know. We're taking a month to month, whatever. Right. So he, long story short, he tells him, like, open up the reservations. Promise me that you'll do this. I will tweet about it. And they have an exchange where he, like, impresses upon him, like, no, I'm serious. Like, as soon as you close. So they close. He opens up reservations for 30 days. Maybe five minutes later at about 12.05 a.m., Rogan tweets about it. He had taken a picture of him and he tweets something along the lines of like, the best sushi I've ever had is open for reservations in Austin for 30 days, whatever. Inside of about 15 minutes, they're booked solid for 30 days. And within 72 hours, a, an omakase restaurant with like, what, eight or 10 seats has a wait list 20,000 people. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I mean, that, that is the, the real, like the real indication of someone who influences others. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's sure. someone with real like yeah. influence. Yeah. So we'll you know? cut, we'll cut all that out. But. Yeah, it's uh, welcome back to Pancom Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Brittany Rothwell. But remember, ads at <laughs> datemag.com. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he saying ads or ah? Ah. So ads. The, the story there, I don't know if you remember what that sound was. No. So the story was he was talking about when he used to when he was a little kid and he would listen to rap in his room, and he said that was the sound he would make when he knew a curse word was coming, so his mom wouldn't get mad. He'd like drown it out with. Ah. That's good. That's the noise he'd make. Oh, um, fucking Columbus classmate. Yep. Columbus classmate. Yeah. I mean, Mario is a gem, man. He really is a gem. I love that kid. That's awesome. So. Uh, you want to go into our wind down? I think we're ready for the wind downs. I right. think we've covered a lot of ground. Right. So uh, this is where we do our wind down. We're going to start with our parting recommendations. Uh, Chris, if you want to go first, you can. Otherwise, you can let us take the lead here. Yeah, I'll let you take the lead. Mike, yeah. do you have any parting recommendations here? Perry Mason. Perry Mason? Perry Mason on wow. HBO. I have become a huge fan. This isn't like a remake. It is a remake. Is it? Okay. It's a remake of Perry Mason. I didn't know that that I didn't know it existed. Yeah, so it's a remake of Perry Mason. So like the I started um my girlfriend was like, You should probably watch this. And I was like, nah, I don't know. And I watched the Man, first so three speaking episodes. Speaking of influencers. Yeah, she, influence got, you, she, got, she yeah. got you to watch the bear. She's got you watching Perry Mason. This the is bear uh, I, I can't it. wait till we do our bear recap with Nick Zayas. Yeah. When is that? Uh sometime in May. May. Nick Zayas. 
Yeah, Nick's eyes is a fucking gem. But um, another blend, uh, Columbus classmate. Columbus I, classmate. I, I went yeah. on a few dates with his sister and no, Nick's eyes sister. No way. Yeah, yeah. Holy. Do you know shit. the mom? I do know the mom. Oh man, she's a lot, but she's the best. Yeah. yeah God, yeah, she's fucking sure. wow. incredible. I mean, it goes back to like the integration into the Latin culture, where it's like. You know, you go on a date and it's like, oh, come to the, the, the quinceanera tomorrow. And it's <laughs> like, incredible. That's actually the where I, Arroz Imperial, like that Oof. was where I found that. And Man. she made it. So, Man, yeah. I actually just did Arroz Imperial for a Camilla's House video. It's like really easy to make. It was a good time. Yeah. It was like cooking for a family of four for under 25 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's good. We nailed it. It was yeah. 23.75. Nice. Um, Perry Mason. Perry Mason. Yep. Perry Mason. HBO. Perry Mason was a really good time. Uh, you got to get past the first like three episodes. It's kind of slow. Is it? Um, it's like, detective? like yeah, detective turned lawyer. He's really just a private investigator turned lawyer. It's a good show. Good writing. Great acting. Um, obviously, it's an HBO show, so like you know, they did. All the things super well. Um, I enjoyed it. I just started season two. Haven't dug in super deep. Um, I also started the last season of The Mandalorian. Also very good. Um, that was great. And I also recently dined, which I have talked about before, but I will talk about Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Tropical Chinese dim sum on Saturday and Sunday afternoon is absolutely fucking mint. You walk out for like 25 bucks a person, really full, great food, service is aggressive, but that's pretty normal. <laughs> you know, it's like you want, you want, you want, no, you just, the little carts, it's like the carts are so like plentiful. Right. I feel like I'm on like, uh, like US one on a Saturday afternoon. Like, it's just like fucking, it's like really, really intense. So um get the get the dumplings get the um, the shrimp spring roll thing it's a good time good stuff uh i will recommend the documentary that i mentioned having recommended to to brit it's east of havana mm -hmm. it was a 2006 documentary that follows uh it was actually uh produced by uh i think charlize theron um follows three cuban rappers one of whom I know personally, uh, uh, and the other two are also very good. Um, so Cliff's Notes, they, it, it follows these three Cuban rappers uh, in the lead-up to a Cuban rap festival that is interrupted by a uh, hurricane. Um, but it's kind of like a very interesting, different angle on a more contemporary Cuban story. Like, Not that there's not value to it, but the story of the events of the revolution itself, right? Like, get told a lot. And this is uh, uh, a view or like a little, like a sort of interesting vignette of like a very contemporary generation, a specific slice of Cuban life um, that is that is worth watching. So, East of Havana. Reggaeton horn. Oh, hold on. There it is. All right. Chris, you got any recs? Um, currently reading a book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Victor Oof. Frankel. Have you read it? 
it's um, I definitely recommend it. It, it. It's it was written in the right after World War II, but it it really ties into how things come together and and setbacks that are perceived as setbacks at the time, but de definitely aren't. And um, you know, it, it's. Um, his life and, and concentration camps up to you know that that stage. So it's it's deep, but it, it it makes you think. And I think that those are to me the the most valuable reads and and really uh, um, you know the, those things, those books that that really live with you. So um, man's search for meaning. Viktor Frankl, um, men especially uh, very timely for me since I just got it this cycle. Get your blood work done. Stay on top of your health. That's, uh, that's something that uh, I don't think it's discussed enough, and especially in this industry, um, you know, that's, that's really, really important that we take care of ourselves because uh, we are, you know, leaders and, and, and very vital parts of teams and families. And so, uh, yeah, definitely take that as your sign to take care of yourself. Heard Good that. stuff. Love that. Uh, shameless plugs. So this is where you plug all of your own stuff. Sure. Uh, go ahead, plug away. Drinkperla.com. Um, we can uh, we can ship you coffee to brew at home. We can uh, we can service your your hotel, restaurant, coffee shop. Uh, we, we we look for great partners that really uh, put a lot of emphasis in, in where they're sourcing product and and really where uh, what they want to deliver the guest experience, uh, the best guest experience. So uh, yeah, Drinkperla.com. Or uh, find me on uh, LinkedIn is my preferred social media platform. Interesting. So. I don't think we've ever had a LinkedIn reference on this podcast. I love this LinkedIn. This is the most professional person that's ever been on here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> is that good or bad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean. um, I will also note, since we're doing shameless plugs, this is the first time we've had a, a branded gift show. There's Panko and Podcast oh. Sandwiches on these, this on these is crazy. bags of coffee. This is wild. This is craziness. Look at that. That's wild. Beep. Yes, it is really nice. That, that's perfect. Stay like perfect. that the rest of the time. Perfect. Uh, Mike, shameless plugs. All the the things. All the the things. Arietta Nave. Scapegoat and the Taurus. Chugs and the Gibson. All the things. All the things. At this point, just all the things. Big in the power roll. Scoops and the rail. Miami gets the world. All the things. All the things. Insert song. All the the things. All the things. All the the things. Good. Ah. <laughs> and finally, you can find Bangkong Podcast on all the things at Bangkong Podcast. P A N C O N Podcast, like a podcast sandwich. That's Instagram and all the things. Um, and also give us all your money at patreon.com slash dademag d-a-d-e-m-a-g give us all of your money look mm -hmm. out for announcements of our next live events probably late july mm -hmm. and early november sure <laughs> maybe <laughs> july and november. yeah those are the best times <laughs> uh and now lightning round oh lightning round yeah we'll do a quick lightning. all right that's cool yeah uh, i can make it happen Great. Well, I mean, what, okay, before we do lightning round. Yeah, like, we got to do the thank, thanks yeah, to Chris and all thanks that. Thanks for, you know, doing this really ridiculous thing that we do. Um, and if you didn't pay us a dollar to listen to lightning round, fucking A. Um, 
Thanks for chiming in for or whatever. You know, thanks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you.